know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line. And I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. Well, it was an eventful Monday night in Kansas City, wasn't it? The Giants came close, very competitive, but as has become a familiar case, costly mistakes, loss of focus in the end. And, you know, you look at a team to lose one game in prime time because of an offsides penalty. Now, Dexter Lawrence down in Washington in week two, that literally lost the Giants game on the la- the game on the last play, giving Washington another chance at a game-winning field goal. This time, O'Shane Zimenez jumps offsides, negates a Darnay Holmes interception, and the Chiefs end up holding on, driving down the length of the field, getting a field goal, and beating the Giants, sending them to 2-6. and six. We'll get to more of that later on and look ahead to Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders, 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium. But first on today's show, James Bradbury, Pro Bowl cornerback, had an outstanding first season with the Giants, This year, I think he probably took a little bit too much blame early on, was not coming out and dominating the opposition the way he did seemingly at times last year. But Bradbury really has raised his game the last couple weeks. And make no mistake, on the back end, for whatever talent the Giants have, Bradbury is that piece on the back. And when he's playing well, they can do a lot of different things. They did some different things against Kansas City. We'll get to that with James right off the bat. But first, before we get to that interview, remind you that our show every week is brought to you in part by our friends from Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Well, Tipico had the Giants as 10.5-point underdogs when the game kicked off at Arrowhead on Monday night. Another competitive game. There were a lot of things you can point out that the Giants did not do well. One of the things they did well, another fantastic game plan by Patrick Graham on the defensive side of the ball. His players executed it. And our guest, James Bradbury, was a big part of it. Now, set the stage for you Wednesday. Originally, I was supposed to interview James in person at our pseudo-podcast studio on the patio 
at the Giants facility after practice. But everything that went down with the COVID protocols, and obviously we'll get to that after the interview with James, we had a switch to, to Zoom audio. So James and I went into a Zoom room, chopped it up a little bit about his career, started the interview off with a postcard and a story about a postcard that changed his football journey. I think you'll like James's answer to that and a whole lot more. Here's Giants cornerback James Bradbury. All right, I want to welcome in James Bradbury. James, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. And uh, obviously, first question, one thing I wanted to ask you from the very beginning of when you got here, tell me about the postcard that you got during recruiting in high school that kind of gave you some motivation. I saw that quote, and I thought, you know what? I got to ask James about that. Yeah, so I was um, – I think I was a junior getting ready to be a senior. Yeah, I was junior getting ready to be a senior because I had played DB my junior year, and I had played – uh, DB my sophomore year. So, of course, you sent out your highlights tape after the season. And then um, uh, recruiters and scouts, I guess they send postcards back to you that around, you get it around that summer. And I had got a, a postcard back from SEC school that said, um, you know, this guy has a lot of talent, uh, but we don't think he has the speed to play in this league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. I saw the school revealed. What's, what's the school? The school? Oh, it was uh, the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Because <laughs> if it was Alabama, then we'd have a problem with all the guys on staff. Yeah, probably been some beef around here. But luckily, <laughs> I've only been like two Tennessee Volunteers. Nice. Yeah, well, yeah, you got some vols on the staff too, but I think that, that predated your, uh, your arrival. Um, how much – I mean, why is that such a motivation? I know people always talk about chip on your shoulder. Uh, and things like that. But, you know, some guys it works for, some guys it doesn't. Why does that work for you? Um, I don't – I would say it works. Uh, but, like, when I, when I got the postcard, it made me kind of – it made me take a step back and just look at myself and my game and see what type of player I was. Because um, I've been playing – I've been playing DB since high school. And for them to say that I don't have the speed to play in the league – I mean, it's just constructive criticism. Um, it wasn't like a knack. I mean, of course, it's a knack. I can look at it as a knack against me, but maybe look at myself and be like, how can I make myself better? Um, and I know I had width. I know I had good size. And I know I could catch the ball. Um, and I had enough speed to keep up with anybody that I feel like I could keep up with. Um, so for me, it just made me look at my game and try to make me – it's helped me improve my game, you know, outside of the speed, you know, my technique and whatnot. You still have it? You still have that postcard? I don't. You know, I had a bag full of postcards at home. You know how a lot of guys try to keep up with all their recruitment letters and stuff like that. But I think I lost mine. You know, my mom was cleaning up my, my room. I think she might have thrown them away. Gotcha. Well, Blake Martinez was on the show earlier this summer, and he talked about his mom threw away all his old Pokemons that were worth a lot of money. So I don't know if you would have been able to get a ton of money off the postcard, but maybe the memory. You know, the exact same thing happened to me. I had, I had a box full of Pokemon cards. I was a Pokemon collector. Really? And they were all thrown away, you know. Hindsight, hindsight is crazy because now if I would have had those Pokemon cards. I could have linked up with Blake. We could have did something, you know, but I didn't, I didn't have any more. Built it would have been a built-in side business. You guys would have done it. Man, it, it would have been a great uh, team together. 
I know you guys, you obviously watch a lot of film individually. Nowadays, I'm not sure a corner can survive in this league without, without watching film. Uh, take me through your preparation and your process in a given week. Uh, I know Monday night this week might be a little different. You probably had to backload a little bit. But uh, when you go into a game week, what do you do as far as start breaking down film? Do you go right to players? Do you look at the overall offense first? Shine some light on, on that preparation. Um, I don't think it really matters what order I usually go in if I'm looking at the player first or scheme. Um, it just depends on how I'm feeling that week, you know. Uh, typically, I look at the scheme and I break it down by like situations. First, second down is its own situation. Uh, third down is its own situation. Then within third down, you got uh, the down. You got the distance. So you got two, two to four, four to six, six to ten. It also depends on the team. Some teams have the same plays within two to six. Or uh, they might have the same plays within the whole the whole progression in the, in the sticks, you know? Mm. Um, so I study that. And also study red zone. Uh, I study the fringe. study two-minute. Um, so same way they, they go, like they break it down. Like the coaches break it down to it and give us the information during the week. I kind of break down my film like when I'm watching it the same way. And then after I get done with that, I will look at the players, and then I'll kind of see um, what are the strengths and weaknesses for the player and how they're used within the scheme. Um, and, of course, you got league guys that are used all over. That's you. That's, that makes it harder to study, but typically that's how I use it right now. Now, uh, not to go back to Blake again, but he talked about how there are times where he'll study other middle linebackers against the offense that he's going to play to see how those guys may have played against the team that he's coming up against to play. Do you do that with other corners? Do you watch other corners a little bit? Is that more of an off-season thing? I watch other corners, and actually, it just kind of happens. Like, when I'm watching film, it just happens naturally because uh, they come across the film and they don't play the team that, I, that, that we have to play this week. Right. So it just naturally happens for me. Um, and in the off-season, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, so I know a lot of that, like, uh, I think it's Highlight Pass. So it's a lot of YouTube uh, channels that actually – put the fam out there for us um, when they're going against different receivers. And you have these different matchups between receivers and cornerbacks. So I, I watch a lot of YouTube also, you know, when I don't have my iPad. That's pretty cool. Um, obviously, the, the season hasn't started the way you like uh, with the record-wise and, and the defense early on. But do you feel like over the last couple of weeks, this defense especially and you guys on the back end have kind of gotten a little bit of that mojo back that you expected to start the year with? Yeah, I think we're playing, we've been playing strong the past few weeks. Um, my coach told us, uh, like, a stat that we were doing pretty good in third down. Pretty good in third down right now. Um, so third down is a critical situation. Anytime you win third down, you know, you're used to playing pretty well on defense. Uh, third down and red zone are two most critical situations that you should win. Um, so I'm, we're very proud of how we've been playing the past few weeks. We just want to keep it going. And obviously, we want to do more because we need to do more on our end. Um, so that we can start winning some games. You remember the first time, even if it wasn't in, in the pros, if it was in college or in high school, that you were asked to travel with a wide receiver and what you thought about it when, when you were asked? Yeah, I was asked to do that my senior year in high school. Um, my junior year, I played safety. I got moved to corner halfway through the season um, because one of our corners, he was being done pretty badly by a receiver, so they just they flipped us. They put him at safety and they put me in a corner. And then I started my corner career halfway through my junior year. My senior year, that's when I was asked to start traveling 
with uh, receivers. We had a really good receiver uh, that went to the neighboring city, uh, Fairfield. I matched That's my first time matching up against a receiver, him. Um, his name was AJ Stevenson. He was a pretty good receiver at Fairfield. Matched up against him. I had two picks that game. So, nice. so you, I mean, for you to remember, talk about a, a crossroads in a career, huh? You start that. AJ Stevenson, thanks a lot. Now here, James Bradbury is a lockdown corner in the NFL. Not a bad, uh, <laughs> not a bad path. Yeah, shout out to him. He was a really good receiver, though. <laughs> um, against the Chiefs, I, I thought it was really cool. I actually asked you about this after the game that as part of the game plan, you ended up traveling with, with Travis Kelsey a little bit. Now, I, I did the numbers, not just on his statistics, but physically. You're 6'1", 212, at least that's the way they list you on the, on the roster. I'm not sure how accurate that is. But you, you give up four inches and 40 pounds to Kelsey. Uh, and I thought you did a really good job against him. You guys did a very good job overall defensively. He only had four catches on seven targets for 27 yards. What did you like about that matchup? Was it fun? I know you said it was a little different, but I got to imagine it, it kind of opened your eyes a little bit, expanded the game, expanded the challenge on Monday Night Football. It definitely expanded the challenge. Um, I'm used to guarding receivers, so that was my first time where, you know, I ended up being matched up on a tight end, and a premier tight end at that. Um, and I know the way the league is going. You know, we have all these, these tight ends that could really be a receiver if they were lighter. You know, like you said, Travis, Travis Kelsey is how, is how big he's 250. Yeah, 256. That's what he's listed. Yeah, 256, 260. You, know, you got Darren Waller, you got uh, Higby, you got uh, Kittle. You know, you got all these amazing uh, tight ends that can play receiver. Uh, so for me being a bigger corner, that was another cha- that was a challenge for me that I feel like um, it was just exciting, you know. It was just a challenge that I was ready for, and I was glad that the coaches you know, felt confident in putting me in that situation. So now I know you're not going to reveal the game plan, but you mentioned Darren Waller. He's coming to MetLife. I don't know where he is physically right now. I got to imagine they're going to want to get him out there after, after their bye. Uh, first Kelsey, then Waller. That, that would be a heck of a back-to-back for James Bradbury. For sure. And um, like I said before, like, it wasn't really even a matchup thing where I was supposed to travel around with Kelsey. It just kind of ended up happening. Right. Like all time kind of put us in that situation. So it might happen this Sunday as well, you know, and I'll be up for the challenge if we study them just in case that happens. Um, and I'll be ready. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. That, that, that'd say something about, about the, uh, the versatility within your game, that's for sure. Uh, just a couple more. I, I saw this stat, the Giants had it. You need one pass defense to become the first Giants player and just the fourth player in NFL history with a pass defense in each of the first nine games of the season. Did you know that? And do you think pass defense should probably get more credit for a statistic than what it probably does at this stage of the game? Um, I did not know that. So uh, now I have some more pressure on my back. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But I would say, no, it doesn't need to like be... Uh, pushed up, like higher, I guess, in the criteria for a defensive back. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's still all about interceptions. Um, pass deflection does definitely, you know, show that you, you know, you get your hands on the ball as you're getting around the ball. But you want, as a defender, you always want to turn those pass deflections into turnovers. You need to get the ball back to the offense. You know, I dropped one last week, um, and I'm still hurt about that pick that I dropped. So my whole goal is to catch everything that I get my hand on. So I don't want to really, I don't want to have pass deflections. I'd rather have interceptions. 
I got you. Uh, last one, and then I, I usually close with like a two-minute drill with a couple fun questions. But the last one is, uh, I think it came out last week, or at least it was the first time I saw it, uh, your commercial for Oakley. And I thought that was really cool. And I, re I remember when you did the photo shoot back in the summer and kind of teased with some photos on, on social media. For a guy like you who, you know, you're not out there putting yourself, uh, you know, on social media too much. You're not a, a boaster, not a trash talker. How was that shooting that situation, that commercial, putting yourself out there a little bit? I would imagine it was your first time being a part of a campaign like that. Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? You want to kind of get into more of that moving down the road? Uh, I'm definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, like you said, like I'm not, I'm not, that's, that's usually not my style. Like I usually don't like to do interviews and stuff, but, uh, you know, since coming to New York, you know, and of course, like it's been more put on my plate. I've been asked to do more, you know, people recognize me more, um, I made the Pro Bowl. So I just, for me, it's all about getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and I think the more I do that, the more I grow as a person, the more I grow as a player. So I'm definitely excited about doing more stuff like that. And I'm welcome to doing it more so than I was in the past. It was pretty cool. I was going to ask uh, the guys over there to get you a pair of Oakleys just to wear for the interview, but, you know, we'll get it sometime. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it again. I got plenty of time. I can do more interviews. Sounds good. Uh, all right, the two-minute drill. Just usually ask one football question and then three kind of off the beaten path, you know, fun questions. One, this is a softball. I mean, I, I'm sure you've been asked it thousands of times. If you can match up against any wide receiver in NFL history, who would it be and why? And how much time would you spend studying that guy uh, in order to be able to, to execute the game plan? Uh, it would be Jerry Rice. You know, he's considered the greatest receiver of all time. Really might be the greatest player of all time. So I would definitely want to match up with Jerry Rice. He would definitely require a lot of study because I've watched <laughs> YouTube videos on him. And he did a lot. Yeah, I, I can imagine. That's an easy one. Uh, all right. It, some fun ones. If you're stranded on an island, and you could only bring two teammates, who would you bring and why? I would bring my dog, Julian Love. Uh, I would bring Julian Love just because that's my dog. He's real cool. He's smart. He went to Notre Dame. Um, I know that. Really I've heard that before. He, he likes well, to shut that around. Yeah, so I'm sure you know, he, he got some tactics. He knows some ways around the, uh, the island and whatnot. Um, the second person. I would probably bring... Leonard Williams, hmm. you know, he's, his nickname is the Big Cat. You got to have your big, big frame with you because you're out there on the island. You never know what type of animal you might have across. You might need to go out there and get us a, a boar, a deer, or something to eat. <laughs> I can see Leonard diving into the ocean that's there and coming back that's, with fish, biting you know, the head off the tuna, you know, all that stuff. Good answer. I like that one. Uh, so I read somewhere that you were a cook. Is that right? I cook from time to time. Is there, a, is there a big meal? You know, you, you got a big meeting and you had, a, you had to cook a meal up for somebody, what it would be? So typically I like cooking salmon. Um, I always did mashed cauliflower. Okay. And I like asparagus. That was my go-to meal to cook, you know, if I had to cook somewhere. That's pretty good. I like that one. All right, last one. You, you became a father for the first time right before COVID hit, right? So yes, fatherhood sir. and Fatherhood and COVID, that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, but I, I don't know how much time you get to spend with your daughter in season, 
But what I wanted to ask you, being a father of a 13-year-old daughter myself, there are those songs and those movies that just get in your head and you just can't take any more of it. Do you have one? Have you gotten one that you just find yourself singing in the locker room? You kind of look around and go, wait a minute, what, what am I doing here? Yeah, so um, I think the song was Baby Shark. <laughs> she, likes, she really likes Baby Shark. That gets stuck in my head. And movie would be Vivo off Netflix right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, whenever she's crying, whenever she's in one of those moves, all I got to do is turn on Vivo and she's good. That's, that sounds good. Well, James Bradbury, I appreciate your time. Good luck on Sunday at MetLife against the Raiders. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Baby shark. Doo, 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 doo. All right. That's enough. I think my wife and my daughter will kill me if I continue singing that song. But what a great answer from from James uh, in terms of what song gets in your head when your kids are playing it all the time. The songs, the movies. As parents, you just never know when it's going to blurt out. And uh, I think we've all had a little bit of the baby shark thing over the past couple of years. My daughter's 13 now, so... We've kind of advanced and moved on to some kids bop. A uh, little old school for my for my daughter. She loves to jump around, so uh, that that's kind of where we're at in terms of what uh, what is always in my head as we're driving or uh, sitting around the house. Which you know, it's a, never a dull moment. But uh, thanks to James Bradbury for this week's interview uh, and. Like I hinted in the open and mentioned briefly to James, it was a wild Wednesday for the New York Giants. It's a crazy week anyway coming off of Monday Night Football. They have yesterday off, come in today, and they get hit with something that you kind of anticipated and braced for all of last season. Uh, And it's not that anyone's letting their guard down, but back in COVID protocols uh, for the New York Giants – And really, it's crazy how things hit the NFL today, uh, the day after the World Series ends. Congratulations to Atlanta. But from Aaron Rodgers and everything that went on in Green Bay, the Giants had their own issues. So before I get into Sunday's game uh, and preview preview it a little bit with the Raiders at MetLife Stadium, uh, I wanted to kind of lay out how... Wednesday morning played out. Uh, Every Wednesday, the media has to go and test. It's our weekly test for COVID. Uh, We have two requirements. We have to be vaccinated and we have to have a negative COVID test uh, really every seven days. So Wednesday is kind of our designated day to go get tested. Now, I went to the testing trailer for the Giants. I had my appointment scheduled for around 9.15, went in, got my test. It was myself and another reporter back in the media workroom, uh, and we were kind of looking around, wondering where everyone was. Uh, Joe Judge was scheduled to talk at 10.30. I think people just kind of anticipated just getting their test closer to 10.30. Uh, Usually there isn't a line. Well, from what I understand, right after that, uh, the line had grown to about 15 people personnel within the Giants organization. And then soon after that, right around 10 o'clock, 
the wait had gone up to 45 minutes for tests. And that's when the Giants released the news that yesterday, which was Tuesday, running backs coach Burton Burns and 12 other members of the organization tested positive on their rapid tests. And then on their retest, their PCR test, 12 of them were false positive. And Burton Burns was the only one that was positive on the PCR test. So he was placed into concussion protocol. Uh, concussion protocol. Listen to me. See, it's it's more about concussion than it is COVID. I bet you if I was taping this last year, we'd be talking about COVID. But he was placed in COVID protocol, uh, was at home, was involved virtually with the Giants. But that meant that the entire organization, essentially their Tier 1 and Tier 2 personnel, all of the players, all the coaches, had to now retest with an abundance of caution. So the way it worked is that everyone had to come outside to the testing trailer and get their tests. So long story short, Saquon Barkley... Matt Skura and Xavier McKinney were not at practice. Joe Judge did his pre-practice news conference in the middle of the parking lot at the Giants facility. Practice goes on. Then we find out afterwards Saquon Barkley tested positive uh, for COVID. He is vaccinated. At the end of the day, Barkley and Xavier McKinney were placed on the COVID list. Now for Barkley... There was uncertainty whether or not he would return on Sunday to begin with. So we weren't sure about that because of the ankle injury. He's missed the last three games. The expectation is that he would play against the Raiders. Now he needs two negative tests in a 24-hour span. So come Friday is when we'll truly find out if Saquon Barkley will be playing on Sunday uh, or at least be eligible to play an off-COVID protocol Uh for vaccinated players, that's what you need to get off of pro- off of the protocol list and be active and be around the team again. So that's for Barkley. Uh, as far as Xavier McKinney goes, uh, his vaccination status is unclear at the moment. Uh, the Giants probably have a handful of guys. I'd say if it's five players who are unvaccinated, that would probably be a lot. Uh, and I don't think it's that. But the feeling was is that McKinney is under the same circumstance if he's vaccinated. If he's not, then he is out 10 days and he will not be eligible to come off the list and play on Sunday. So that will probably put Julian Love into the spot with Logan Ryan. Maybe you see J.R. Reed, uh, the player the Giants signed off of the Rams practice squad last week. He was inactive. Monday night against the Chiefs. Probably see more Aaron Robinson, more Darnay Holmes, playing a little bit more nickel, maybe with two safeties rather than three. But we'll see what happens as the week progresses. But like I said, it was a pretty crazy day for the Giants in terms of COVID protocols. From what I understand, Burton Burns uh, was feeling well. He was not feeling what, I, what was told to me, uh, distinct COVID symptoms. 
but we'll have to hope the best for him. Uh, 69 years old, Burton is well-liked in the entire organization. Uh, so clearly his health was of the utmost concern yesterday when he tested positive. So wish him well. But now that sets up for the Giants for this weekend. Will they have Saquon Barkley? Kind of out of their hands until Friday at the earliest that we can find out if Saquon is returning. Kenny Galladay did not practice today, but today was really more of a walkthrough. So I wouldn't rule Galladay out yet. We get to see the Raiders on Sunday. As James Bradbury mentioned, we'll see what the game plan shows, but... Darren Waller is the number one option for the Raiders. Derek Carr has played very well this season. Have to look out for Max Crosby at defensive end. Raiders have had a lot of turmoil. They're 5-2. The mess with John Gruden, his exit. Rich Passaccia has come in and taken over and done a good job. You see teams get a boost from when an interim coach comes in, especially someone who's on the sideline already this is going to be a back and forth game on sunday i think if the giants play well they could win this one i really do Uh, i think you know they need some of these weapons sterling Shepard, unlikely to play on sunday i would not expect him until the after the bye at the earliest i think Kadarius tony will play he was stepped on had a laceration on his thumb I think he'll be okay and ready to go on this weekend. So maybe this is the big game we've been waiting for for Kadarius Toney, the one that we thought he was going to get against the Rams before he re-injured that ankle. Daniel Jones needs to play well again, eliminate the mistakes. Obviously, that mistake early against Kansas City led to a touchdown. And I think the defense could give Carr some problems. They don't have Henry Ruggs. Obviously an awful situation. Thoughts and prayers out to the family involved there. A casualty in a a car wreck. And everything driving while impaired. Ruggs is being accused of driving while impaired. And the latest was going at a ridiculously high speed. Reportedly, allegedly, 156 miles per hour. Uh, it's it's hard to envision Henry Ruggs playing again in the NFL this season, maybe ever. He's got to worry about his legal issues at this point. But you take Ruggs off the field, Raiders still have some players, obviously. Josh Jacobs at running back. Uh, but I do think that there's a situation where this is a winnable game for the Giants. Raiders are a good team. They've won some good games this year. But I do think that the Giants have shown that they can compete. The only two games they were out of it this year were Dallas and Rams, and I do not believe the Raiders are in that class. So we got to start it up this weekend and see where we're at, and then the Giants go into a bye and come back for another Monday Night Football game against some guy named Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions. So love the engagement. Great audience from last week. Great numbers. Keep them coming. We're continuing to build. We're all in with the Giants. We're all in with this podcast. And we know you're all in with the show as well. We'll see you next week.